Hey everyone, welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this show, we're going to go through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or the MCU to insiders, in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time. Well, James, speaking of time. Yes. Yes. Time's a funky little thing. You know, it's got it's it's a it's some funny about time. Got a weird little number, you know, this little time thing. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Uh, we have been just like if you're just now joining us, we have just begun uh, the days of Agents of Shield in 1931. Now, the reason why it's weird is because they're not from 1931. But uh oh, uh oh, time travel, hip hop, and mix matches. Not hip hop. I, I meant to say uh, I don't even remember anymore. <laughs> Be- bebopping. Yeah, there you go. They were bebopping their way through like a time tunnel, and suddenly, uh oh, here we are, 1931. Everyone, look out! I've got weird knowledge that I shouldn't know. Um, <laughs> and so we are going to do something that's very interesting. This is an episode that is one scene, uh-huh. two episodes, this, two seasons, <laughs> and uh, that's also true. Two seasons. <laughs> Two episodes, one scene. A little weird, but follow me on it, right? I promise you, it's it's going to pay off. It's going to make sense to you. So what you're going to do is, is you're going to go over to Netflix. You're going to bring up Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Start at season six, episode 13. Start your timer at 39 minutes and 52 seconds. Let it run to the end of the episode. When the season seven, episode one starts... Just hit the little skip forward button until you hit two minutes and 59 seconds. And then you'll run that to five minutes and 36 seconds. They are intertwined. They are the same scene. It's a continuation that's pretty much broken up by 90% mostly just a season break. There's a little 10% in there, but don't worry about that for now. Um, Yeah. So here is what happens. Here's what we see. Uh, Okay. Spoiler alert just for this show in general. Uh, Because it's about to get, like, you're about to find out some information that's going to be like, whoa, that I was not prepared (laughs) for that. Uh, So it starts off with um, some characters that we've already met. It's uh, Gemma, Mm -hmm. Daisy, and Mac chit-chatting. They're talking about how things are, well, uh, forgive my French. They don't use this word, but I'm going to use it. Uh, Things are fucked. (laughs) Uh, things are not right. And essentially, like, they are now at this huge disadvantage, right? They're stuck where they shouldn't be. The Chronicoms, uh-oh, don't worry, we're coming to that, have Fury's Black Box, uh, which is essentially a special tool for S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Uh, and they are, well, very outnumbered and very outmaneuvered, and they really don't have the information that they need. The issue is that there's no internet, so they can't just kind of go Googling stuff because that don't exist right now. So Simmons has made a decision, and it's a pretty big one. It's a pretty hefty one, uh, and she just kind of did it without really talking to anybody about it first. Just is It's that thing of do and ask for forgiveness later, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Uh, because yeah. that is 1,000% what she has done. <laughs> she has gone and basically starts being like, hey, so when we were in the mainframe, don't worry, we'll come back to that, uh, there was a scan of his framework. brain. Framework is what I meant, not mainframe, thank you. When we were in the framework, there was a scan of his brain. That's the last thing we have of him, but it has all of the information that he knows, 
you know, and she's really going through and they're like, whoa, 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 hang on. What are you talking about? So she takes them into this room and they are now standing in front of a chronicom of Agent Coulson. And uh, there is a sea is, of emotions. Is it a Comic-Con or an LMD? I think it might well, be an LMD. Well, technically, it's an... Okay, that's a good point. It's an LMD with Chronicom technology. Sorry. Right, right, that's, right. That's, that's, that's what that's I fair, meant to fair. write down. But I, I said a Chronicom tech, Agent Colson, is what I wrote right, down. Right, right. Fair, so fair, fair, fair. It's, fair. Yep, it's, that makes sense. I'm half right, half wrong. Uh, so thank you for right. adding that in. Because that is actually a huge component, the LMDs. Right. Um, so it's an LMD, which is a life model decoy. Uh, right. In other words, uh, it's, it's a robot. It's it's I mean, Robo yeah. Agent Coulson, uh, uh-huh. and he's standing there, powered off, just kind of eep, right in the corner. There is a sea of emotions as everyone kind of has to now deal with the fact that someone that was dead is now standing, quote unquote, alive in front of them, uh-huh. but also not uh-huh. alive because he's not powered on. So uh, Mac is, of course, the voice of reason, and he says. He would want us to consider the ramifications. And before he could even finish that, Daisy slams the button on the desk and Agent Coulson powers up. Okay, now suddenly season seven, right? This is where we're at. And he powers on, he says hello, and just there's this just thick level of tension in that room. And eventually Uh he goes, why is nobody talking? So... (laughs) Then you have the awkward situation of he thinks that he's real. He thinks he's a real boy, Pinocchio. He thinks that it's just chill. He's just waking up. It's not a big deal. But then they kind of immediately start letting the cat out of the bag being like, hey, this is how you got here. This is we used a piece of your brain to bring you back. And he's like, whoa, wait a minute. What are you talking about? He looks down and goes, my arm is fixed. It doesn't feel the same. He lost his arm. Again, long story. We'll come back to that some other day. Um, (laughs) He's like, it's fixed. Oh, but it doesn't feel the same because it's technically still not real. So he's kind of processing it a little bit, and they're trying to ease him into it. Daisy just straight up is like, hey, you're an LMD. And he's like, no, I'm not. That's impossible. That wouldn't. Oh, my God. And then his brain starts to quite literally compute Everything that he's like basically been missing, and he gets two yeah. years worth of information uh, downloaded and processed into his brain uh, in like the course of like thirty seconds, and it's he gets an update. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what it is. But the problem is that this update's got a little bit of bugs in it because he starts having a mental breakdown. Uh, I mean, wait, 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 hold on, yeah. hold on one sec. What? Uh, I jumped ship on pod on the po- Apple Podcast app because I went on a cruise. It's funny that I used to jump ship. I didn't mean to, to <laughs> and I came back to internet and mm-hmm. I had all these episodes updating, and they were like, "All right, we're downloading them. It's been a week, so we have a lot to download." And my and my podcast app was like, "No," and I opened up again. No, and that's what's happening with Colson. It's like powering back up, and it's like, "Hey, you have a bunch of." Files to download. Oops, sorry, you crashed. Here's here's the problem, though. It's not just like necessarily just like a file in the sense of it's like, hey, um, you know, we figured that we could increase your memory space or actually we can make you move a little faster. This is, uh, hey, there's some trauma that you didn't realize that you've had. Uh, (laughs) It's kind of like instant therapy, but also not helpful at all. So (laughs) he immediately starts going through all the things that have gone completely wrong for the last two years. And he starts doing that thing that is like kind of stereotypical, like robot 
stuff where where he's like this memory this memory oh god this memory memory number five memory number six and he's just like listing things off and like giving out quotes from previous episodes as he relives the moment of this person's dying this person's dead this person's been hurt i hurt this person is this person real that kind of thing and it's getting faster and faster and then mac is like what the slaps the button gets i mean kind of hits like dad mode for a second right uh-huh. and uh is like was that necessary and daisy just goes i mean there's no easy way to say it right uh and it's like yeah. okay so he remembers dying he's you know coming back dying again all this other stuff oh sorry i i hit the button too too, too early sorry he says was that necessary first he says there's no easy way to say it um right and that's when he starts doing the thing about, oh, I died, but then I came back, but then I didn't die, but then I came back again, but then I actually died. Uh, so that spiral happens. Mac shuts him down and says, anything of LMD tech is a director level decision. It is not up for debate. Uh, right. And then the last thing that we see is Mac says to Agent Simmons uh, to fill them in on everything that they've missed, which is yep. essentially what we're doing for you right now. Uh, and also what exactly. they did to Coulson, but he didn't handle it well. Um, so Listen to this on 2x speed to feel what to feel, Coulson yeah, was To feeling. feel what Coulson felt. Go back three minutes, <laughs> then hit 2x speed, and you'll feel, you'll feel the same. Okay, so James, I think now is the yep. time to get into... Avengers Ensemble. Okay, hey, welcome to Avengers Ensemble. Uh, we are talking about, we already talked about uh, season six, episode 13 uh, in the last 1931 episode. Okay, so we're going to talk about uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season seven, episode one. It's called The New Deal. So like, you know, uh, it aired on uh, May 27th, 2020. Mm-hmm. It was also directed by Kevin Tangerone. So go back to the the uh, earlier 1931 episode uh, to uh learn about him real fast all right to interrupt for just a brief moment i want to point out something that you just said that we had a realization of like yesterday the day before we recorded this which was that season seven the final season of agents of shield aired last year last year to when we recorded it right it is it has not even been a full christian year but it has been a full satanic year. No, I'm kidding. Oh, no. But it has not been a full satanic year. Satanic years are 666. <laughs> yeah. Uh, since uh, the last episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. aired, which is yeah. insane to me because I could have sworn it went off the air three years ago. And that's, yeah. once again, one of the situations where time is weird. Yep, absolutely. Anyway, I just wanted to make sure that if you had not processed that information, you are now doing the same as we did. Right. And just just to, to uh, anchor you in time, time, <laughs> um, we are recording this now on July twenty first, twenty twenty one. In where I am and where Colin is, it's still the past, July twentieth, twenty twenty one. I think you saw my face where I went. It is not the twenty first, but you're right. <laughs> uh, and then, so this episode was written by George Kitson. Um, just real quick, uh, there's a planet Kitson in episodes that he wrote, and I'm like. George, you sneaky dude. son of a gun. <laughs> That's such a cool thing, though, man. Because the thing is, I couldn't do that with my last name. Like right. Planet Parker. Planet Parker. Uh, hang on now. We've got a Peter Parker. You know, <laughs> I, I can't yeah. get away with that. But that's a good name for like naming a planet. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Me, buddy. George Kitson. All right. So uh, <laughs> uh, he wrote six episodes of Agents of Shield. 
that's all his writing credits. He was a big, um, like production assistant sort of, um, he worked his way up through sort of like a, um, coordinator sort of deal. He didn't do a lot of writing, um, but he did write six episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And this was one of them. Um, now getting into actors, we have playing Enoch, uh, a man named Joel Stoffer. Um, he was in two episodes of Stranger Things, 26 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., one episode of one episode of Castle, the movie Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, hmm. Species 3, and one episode of Sliders, which I mention only because of uh, that is literally uh, going between alternate universes. And so I just realized there is one key component about what James has mentioned already. Uh, I did not mention this in my breakdown because we don't really see him talk. But during part of the description of things that are happening outside and like in the quote unquote real world in 1931, uh, we see Enoch like preparing like clothes and like accessories and stuff like that for uh, both for Coulson and for them because they're about to have to go live in 1931. They can't be walking out on the street in jeans. Uh, So you, you see him, but we do not hear him. Right. We are going to get to a fashion montage that is going to be quite enjoyable to watch. Um, I agree. I love fashion montages. Me too. I, I sensed it coming and uh, I took a little bit of a, of a liberty here and I split it off from everything else. <laughs> That's fine. I'm game for that. I think every TV show, well, no, maybe not every TV show, but most TV shows should at least once in their series have a fashion montage. Absolutely. There's just something very fun about them. Absolutely. Um, I will say Joel Stoffer plays uh, AI sort of. Um, oh, Joel Stoffer is a Chronicom. He plays non-human really well. Anyway, mm-hmm. then we have an, uh, the only other person in this scene uh, that is new is uh, uh, Phil Coulson. I don't mm. know. New new guy. Um, yeah. So uh, he's played by Clark Gregg. Uh, Clark Gregg played... Uh, Mostly played Phil Coulson in what in all the stuff I'm about to name, but not always, um, just mostly. Uh, he was in 136 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He was in Captain Marvel. He was in Lego Avengers, the video game. 29 episodes of Ultimate Spider-Man. Lego Marvel Superheroes, the video game. Marvel Heroes, the video game. Avengers. A funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer. The consultant. Thor, Iron Man 2, and Iron Man. <sighs> So I think that was 11 uh, is what I counted on, on Colin's fingers. 12? 12. 10? 12. 5? 12. 12. <laughs> An even dozen Coulsons. Um, Baker's uh, He Coulson. was also a, no. base, a Baker's Coulson. A Coulson's which is still dozen is what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I like a Baker's Coulson action. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. So uh, he was also Leonardo in Joss Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing. Uh, which is very good. Um, all-star cast on that one. Uh, you can listen to the Unabashedly Obsessed episode about it, um, also available through the distribution of the Scavengers Network. Um, he was also in AI, uh, which is funny, because, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, and then he was in the 2006 When a Stranger Calls. And when I wrote that down, I was like, wait a minute. We've talked about 2006 as a Stranger Calls yeah. because, do you know who else was in it? Oh, man. I remember talking about it, but I don't remember who was yeah. in it. I had to look it up. Tessa Thompson, Valkyrie, That's right. is in it. That's so, right. A um, couple of trivia. He is the only actor who has appeared in productions, films, or TV set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe since its launch from Iron Man 2008. 
continuously without ever taking a leap year. So he has been in a Marvel Whoa. thing from 2008 through 2020. I think 2021 might be the might be the first non Clark Greg Clark Greg year. Someone Although get, what if what if oh yeah true we'll, we'll get him in what if there's no Someone way we don't get, get him Kevin in what if. on the phone right now yeah yeah for sure even if it's just a small one line cameo I need this man in a Marvel property this year exactly um, and then I found out something about Clark Greg that I didn't know which I will summarize in this sentence. He jointly made the decision to divorce with wife Jennifer Gray of Dirty Dancing and Ferris Bueller. Uh, and fi- they filed in June twenty, June of 2020, just a month before what would have been their 19th wedding anniversary. So for the past 19 years, Clark Gregg has been married to baby of not putting her in the corner fame. Um which is wild. And they're they they uh the IMDB had like their quote about it, and it was basically like we raised a cool daughter. We still love each other and the memories we made. We're just like, we're going to, we're going to go. Our but now that we, I think nothing. he's no longer in the MCU, I'm out. Right, right. Peace. I married Phil Coulson, not, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, but, so, but now I mean, that you're an LMD, I can't be with you. It's like, you know, that's <laughs> fiction, right? And she's like, I'm sorry. Nobody puts baby in the corner. We do do put LMDs in the corner because <laughs> that is where their chargers are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, James. That's good. That is good. <laughs> so so that is our that is our Avengers ensemble for mm-hmm. this uh particular episode. Colin, yeah. fill me in. Let's meet two characters. Uh mm-hmm. let's talk about Enoch. Enoch mm-hmm. is the guy who I said was sort of he's sort of setting the scene for our little fashion montage and also has helped preparing um to get uh Phil Colson, LMD. Uh, ready. I like putting LMD after it as if he's like a doctor. <laughs> like that's, a doctor. That's very good. Uh, okay, so we've got, uh, I've got two interesting little things here for you. So the first thing okay. is, uh, I'm going to do a very fast and brief Alias Investigations. Okay. Alias Investigations. Enoch has had two other nicknames in this show, which is very interesting. Okay. Uh, he went very briefly by Isaiah, just like a kind of a cover name for himself. Right. And also as Dolphin. Uh-huh. Such a, like, I mean, again, it's just such a random, funky little name that I was like, I can't just skip over Dolphin, you know? Um, I, I would also contend that he goes, that he has gone by the worst, the absolute worst. Because uh, that is what, well, we'll get to it. But uh, yeah, that's, Fitz that's calls true. him that almost more than he calls him. That's yeah. true. Uh, yeah, that's see, ooh, see, that's an interesting thing. Is like weird because like when you call, like for example, they called uh, uh, Agatha Harkness hag. So right. where do you draw the line between like that type of word versus like you are the absolute worst? Like when does it become a capitalized A and W for absolute worst? I guess we have to address him as. That's true. Bring, hey, bring the worst his hast. tea. What? Right. I just completely what? butchered that sentence. Hey, absolute worst. Get over here. <laughs> right, right, right. Aw. Whatever. AW. Uh, aw. Yeah, okay. So, Enoch. Enoch is yeah. a Chronicom. 30,000 mm-hmm. years ago, the people of Chronicom located in the sickness, sickness, 
Cygnus, Cygnus, yeah, Cygnus system. Swarm. I'm not a smart man. Uh, deployed Enoch. Hey, listen, that's not. It's just that you don't know that fact. It's fine. You're a smart. Thank man. you. Thank you. So they uh, they launched him and deployed him to planet Earth in order to study and record the development of the human race. So thirty thousand years ago. So this is sometime in the middle of like episode two, basically two and three <laughs> of this right. podcast is when they launched him over here. Right. Um, so basically during this time, you know, he, he spends centuries just living amongst the humans, observing them, charting their progress. Um, and then basically all of the information on his history, because he's only existed in the TV show is all stuff yeah. from the TV show. So I'm not going right. to give any info necessarily right. beyond that um, so that we don't ruin it. Uh, Chronicoms, uh, which is something that he is, was also invented specifically for this TV show. So I'm going to give mm -hmm. a little bit of information and we'll let the rest of it sort of also sort of naturally come into existence because I think that there's like an interesting thing here where if it's something that's existed in comics, we're going to talk about the history so that you can see how it differs. But I don't right. want to reveal too much about the Chronicoms just so that you can kind of enjoy the sort of development of them. Chronicoms are a race of extremely advanced and long-lived genderless synthetic creatures which originated mm. on a planet, Chronica 2, orbiting a star in the Cygnus constellation. I See, I got it that time. Yeah, uh, there you go. Now, if you'll recall, we mentioned Chronica 2 at the beginning of the episode, and I said, hey, you're going to hear about that planet a lot. Oh, no, I think I said that last episode. doesn't matter. Time is a construct. What is time? Yeah, yeah what exactly. is time? This show has proved that to me. There are at least two distinct... Nope. There are at least two distinct groups of chronicoms, the anthropologists who study other mm -hmm. sentient civilization without interfering in their natural development, and hunters who relentlessly seek to eliminate threats to the natural order or to the interests of chronicoms. Right. Um, so I'm going to say, let's get through... Let's get through this a little bit because we kind of already mentioned it a little bit with Enoch. So 30,000 years ago, uh, at least two chronicoms were sent to observe and document the development of sentient life on a primitive planet known as Earth. Huh. I know that <gasps> one. That's us. <laughs> oh, snap. Earth, what up? Represent uh, Colin Parker from Earth, uh, you know, 30 years young, uh, really love representing my planet, uh, kind of a piece of garbage, but like, yo, better than Jupiter, what up, right? Anyway, wow. assuming the names... Noah and Enoch, the two chronicoms, followed the development of humanity for millennia. I truly hope that my little spiel that I just did does not wake up my neighbor and they don't come going, hey, I think your TV's on again. I'm going to be like, no, it's just me. Sorry. Uh, anyway, <laughs> they have a strict code of not interfering in the natural human history. However, mm. the policy had an exception in case of an extinction-level event. And when Enoch learned of an impending destruction of the planet from the seer, he began taking steps to prevent the impending catastrophe. And that's whenever I hear, sorry, go ahead. Nope. Go ahead. Nope. Whenever you hear, whenever I hear extinction level event, uh, there's a Busta Rhymes album called extinction level event. And that is literally the only place my mind went every single time. Enoch is like extinction level event. I'm mm -hmm. like, ah, oh, Busta. Nice. <laughs> extinction level event comes up actually, interestingly enough, in a few different Marvel properties. Oh, yeah. So, just a fun little thing. Just so you yeah. know, it's essentially, it's not just made up for 
well, at least for this property, it's a it's a thing that they expect. Oh, it's a for sure a thing. It's a thing that they expect to happen uh, everywhere. Anyway, yeah, that's the chronicoms. Uh, it, and that's in, how, and extinction level events have happened through. I mean, like that the meteor hitting the planet and doing the dust with the dinosaurs. Oh yeah, oh, for sure, level exactly. Event. That is a extinction yeah. level. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and that's as much as I want to reveal about them. Uh, yeah. Now let's get to Philip, son of Cole. Uh, great guy, cool guy. Uh, <laughs> I think it's time to real quick though hit us back up with an alias. Investigations. Alias Investigations. Let's talk about, though, his MCU aliases. Uh-huh. Buckle in. There are almost as many as years I've been alive. So there's (laughs) obviously Phil Coulson. Then you have Rookie, New Guy, Rook, Son of Cole. AC, Boss, Charm School, Zombie Robot, Theo Tittle, Pablo Jimenez, Charles Martin, Oh Captain, My Captain, Man with the Plan, Robot Hand, Head of Shield, Cowboy, Lancelot, Dr. Sean Lundwall, the director of Hydra, Eric Green, The Odd Couple with with uh, Glenn Talbot. Now, he's, he's a part of that little duo. Uh, Jamie Flugelman, that's when he's in the framework. Face of the Resistance within the framework. Ghost Rider. <gasps> Uh, Inspector Gadget, Wingnut, Sherlock, Real Deal, Humanity's Shield, One of Earth's Mightiest Heroes, aw, Fallen Hero, aw, Professor Coulson, Wingman, Hot Lips, Boss Man, Former Boss, Dedicated Agent, Dead Coulson Guy, and a Dead Man. That is so much. <laughs> I didn't do alias investigations for uh, anyone in that last episode. We have time to do it. I just need to remember to do it in the future because Tremors. I mean, anyone oh, that Mac has sure. interacted yeah, with, tremors, yeah. except for Gemma Simmons. Well, because Mac calls which, people by nicknames all the time. That's just yeah. that's kind of his thing. Except Gemma. But I, I think it's because I think he does the same with, with Fitz, though, right? Does he call him something? Yeah, um, Turbo. Oh, right. Of course, of course. I think secretly it's because he kind of secretly blamed Simmons for certain things with him. So yeah. he's always like, I tolerate you. I don't think he's ever like really liked her. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay. Wow. Okay. Man, I'm excited to get strong, into that. Strong conversation point. I know. <laughs> we'll come back to it. Now, this is cool though. His creators though are uh, mostly comic book writers. Okay. So Christopher Yost, Cullen, Cullen Bunn, Matt Fraction, and Scott Eaton. Yeah. Matt Fraction. <laughs> I want to get Matt Fraction on this podcast so bad. I I have, I like genuinely love Matt. Have Brian Michael Bendis and Matt Fraction ever collaborated? Do you know? I don't think so. Man, that's a collaboration. That man. would be cool. I mean, I feel like it's not often that you see multiple writers working together these days. Sure. Mostly sure. because now they're trying to print way more. You know. Yeah. Excuse me. Still. But still, I would love that. Now, Christopher Yost is a name that. Have we heard his name before? Oh yes. yes. Oh yes. Okay. Uh, if you go to the first tab in the in the spreadsheet, uh, writers and directors. Okay. Cool. We've seen him uh, for Thor two and Thor three. Okay, but we have not seen Colin Bunn or Scott Eaton Correct. yet. That's right. Okay. Correct. So yeah, so we have seen Christopher Yost, um, 
And uh, again, we have not seen Matt Fraction here within this show. Nope. But I guarantee you, whenever we finally get to Hawkeye, we will be talking about him a lot. For sure. He's like the first person that ever made me care about Hawkeye. Straight up. The, when you th- when I think about Hawkeye, I think about Matt Fraction. I uh, sure. agreed. Matt Fraction is such a good writer, but we're not here for Matt Fraction right now. Right. Um, we are here to talk about. I want to see a Matt Fraction versus Matt Shackman showdown. That would be interesting. The Matt Matt v Matt. Okay, here we go. So Philip Coulson, uh, this is something that again is kind of borrowed from the MCU to then translate over to the comics. Uh, but you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, exactly. Since he was a child, Phil Coulson was obsessed with superheroes. As he grew up, he would constantly study and keep track of them, having created his own database of superhumans for fun. Sounds a lot like the Index. As an adult, he joined the United States Army Rangers, where he befriended some people, some friends, and he got the call sign Cheese. That's where that comes from. Uh, He fought in Afghanistan uh, within the comics, which is also kind of dates his like creation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, this is interesting. Unbeknownst to Marcus, he was the secret son of legendary spy Nick Fury. That's something. Unbeknownst to Marcus? Yep. His name is Marcus? No, no, no. I missed sorry. I'm so sorry. I did forget something here. Uh, one of the friends that he made when he was in the Rangers was Marcus Johnson. Oh, gotcha, um, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And Marcus Johnson is Nicholas Fury Jr. Ah, um, uh, gotcha. Sorry. When the secret was leaked, enemies of Fury killed Marcus's mother and that they were trying to draw him out. So basically then he turns to Coulson. Coulson returns to America uh, on a leave of absence and they essentially get involved together and they start trying Mm -hmm. to track down these killers in the resulting adventure. Coulson joined forces with the Avengers and shield to rescue Marcus when he and Fury were captured by the would be world conqueror Orion. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, we're, we're going to skip ahead a little bit there. Basically it's just this whole thing of Coulson essentially joins shield because of this whole interaction. Things go well. Um, Coulson and Fury Jr. later joined S.H.I.E.L.D.'s secret Avengers Black Ops team, uh, and he was responsible for the recruitment of its first members, Black Widow and Hawkeye. Following the disbanding of the secret Avengers, Coulson became S.H.I.E.L.D.'s supreme commander for special ops. Uh, and I'm bringing this up only because it has a mention of one of James's favorite characters of all time. In one of the team's first big missions, he faced off against Dormammu to prevent humankind from turning into mindless ones. Once again, please check out Timeline Scav at Twitter to find James constantly tweeting and retweeting Dormammu, I've come to make a bargain. Um, (laughs) So he's done a few things. Uh, Also in the comics, they do bring in Lola, the car, uh, the flying Mm. car, uh, that is named after his former fiance, which again, still feels a little weird. He's done a lot of cool things. Like There's a lot of other stories, but I don't want to get too far into them because one of them I believe is going to end up coming up again uh, for, um, secret invasion. Uh, mm. cause he was kind of a part of, part of some of that stuff. Uh, okay. This is a, a very interesting factor for agents of shield, like the TV show and everything like that. Phil Coulson was the first shield agent that didn't originate from the comics, uh, but specifically from the oh. MCU and in all comics, he is even modeled after his MCU counterparts, actor Clark Gregg which is a very nice. smart thing that they are doing now in the comics where every 
character's design for the most part tends to look exactly like their MCU version. Right. Um, they learned the lesson from Mac. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure if they put Mac in a comic now, he'll look like that. Right. Of course. Of course. Uh, yeah. Uh, Anything? No. Okay. That's all, all the notes that I have on Phil Coulson. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, the last, I guess we kind of addressed it, but just to reiterate, he has died a few times, but it's comic books. So he's come back. Uh, and he is alive for the show. So that's where we're to at. To quote uh, another Joss Whedon property, uh, Phil Coulson, he died a lot. Um. <laughs> so what do you think about doing some social media? No, wait, I you've got a that, segment. Mm-hmm. Oh, James, let's talk I'm so about, sorry. Let's do another episode, uh, another installment of The Music of 1931. A podcast within a podcast. Welcome, James. Podcast. Podcast within a podcast where we talk about the music of 1931. Uh, today we're going to talk about a, a song by a man named Skip James. Um, and this song is called I'm So Glad. Uh, this is a Delta Blues song, Delta Blues style song, originally recorded by Skip James in 1931. Blues historian Gerard Herschaft notes this spiritual probably dates back to the beginning of the blues. Blues writer Stephen Count. Uh, describes it as a two-step piece marked by a f- by fiendishly fast playing in an eight-bar arrangement comprised of single measures. Um, if you were thinking that it was about a Lonnie Johnson tune, it's not. Uh, Paramount Records released James's I'm So Glad on the then-standard 10-inch 78 RPM shellac phonograph record in 1931. It is included on various compilations, as well as Hard Time Killing Floor uh, from 2005, which is a complete collection of James's recordings on compact discs. On, on compact discs. Uh, in early 1931, Skip James auditioned for the record shop owner and talent scout H.C. Spear in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, Spear placed blues performers with various record labels, including Paramount Records. On the strength of, his, of this audition, James traveled to, Gra- Grafton, Wisconsin, traveled to Grafton, Wisconsin to record for Paramount. His 1931 records are considered idiosyncratic among pre-war blues recordings and formed the basis of his reputation as a musician. For the next 30 years, James made no known recordings and performed sporadically. He was virtually unknown to the general public until about 1960. In 1964, blues enthusiasts John Fahey, Bill Barth, and Henry Vestine found him in a hospital in Tunica, Mississippi. According to Calt, the rediscovery of both James and Son House at virtually the same time was the start of the blues revival in the United States. By July 1964, by July 1964, James and other rediscovered musicians appeared at the Newport Folk Festival. Several photographs by the blues promoter Dick Waterman captured this performance, James's first in over 30 years. He subsequently recorded for Tacoma Records, Melodeon Records, and Vanguard Records, and performed at various engagements until his death from cancer in 1969. In 1966, uh, a British rock group Cream reworked I'm So Glad using an, elec- using an electric blues rock arrangement. Uh, they recorded it for their debut album, Fresh Cream. Fresh Cream. The song was a feature of their live performances, and a recording from October 1968 is included on the album Goodbye from 1969. An album review included, It's the rampaging I'm so glad that illustrates how far they've come compared to the original studio version on Fresh, Fresh Cream, and it's easy to see just how much further they are stretching their improvisation. As a result of Cream's albums and performances, I'm so glad gained a much wider audience and other artists often base their versions on Cream's. 
Skip James was pleased and remarked, that piece is absolutely gonna stand. Deep Purple added an intro entitled the song Prelude colon Happiness slash I'm So Glad for their first album, Shades of Deep Purple, in 1968. John Lord's organ flourishes, weaving classical riffs and unexpected arabesques into I'm So Glad, which sounds rather majestic here, according to AllMusic's Bruce Eater. And then in 2004, Wim Wenders directed the film The Soul of a Man, uh, which was the second part of The Blues, a series produced by Martin Sir- Martin Scorsese, focusing on the music of Blind Willie Johnson, J.B. Lenoir, and, J- and Skip James. Because James had not been filmed before the 1960s, Keith B. Brown played the part of the young James in the documentary. James's song Hard Time Killing Floor Blues was featured in the 2000 film Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? and included on the soundtrack album. So, Skip James, big, huge, influential blues musician, released uh, his big, big, huge, influential blues song, I'm So Glad, in 1931. Perfect. Well, what about the social medias of 2021? Well, here's the social medias of 2021 uh, in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Okay, we got it. Um, here they are. Uh, we got my own personal Twitter, the most important social media, which is at Unabashed James. Second on the list, Colin, what is your Twitter? Okay, well, I, this is debatable. Uh, Colin M. Parker, which I would argue is, I would still keep myself at second, but I would actually knock you down to third because the first most important is Timeline Scav, which is the all show. All right, all right. Uh, fair, and then fair, also, fair. I'll, I'll share second place with you. And then also, fine, uh, fine. Scavengers Net for the Scavengers mm-hmm. Network. Uh, also for Scavengers Network, you can check out scavengersnetwork.com and check out yeah. other great shows on the network, such as Unnatural 20s, a comedy mm. podcast where every episode is left up to the fate of a D20. And it is one of the most chaotic shows you'll ever experience. And always absolute. an absolute joy. And hey, they are comic fans, so look forward to yes. seeing them on this show. I actually just point. talked, the day that we recorded this episode, I just talked to uh, to one of them about them coming on for some yeah. episodes. So, Absolutely. Um, little teaser. I think, though, unless you have something else, which maybe you're saying you do. No, you don't. Okay, good. Our, our, all right, our uh, producer is saying they don't have anything else, so that is going to bring us to the end of this episode of Timeline Scavengers. I have remembered to say that my name is James Anderson. And as always, I'm remembering that I'm Colin Parker. <laughs> this has been uh, an episode of Timeline Scavengers that uh, will go down in history as having been recorded as we close saying, Excelsior! saw Kirby walking into the kitchen wearing a sleep cap. Kirby, did you steal the microwave? (laughs) Oh, hello there, gentle listener. I didn't hear you there. You caught me reading the longest written work in the English language, The Subspace Emissary's World's Conquest, a Super Smash Brothers fan fiction. But let's set that aside for now. To advertise our podcast... 
Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Max. And we're the hosts of Fan and Ball, a podcast about fandom, their history and culture. The people and things they create. And everything in between. Listen bi-weekly on Wednesdays on the Scavengers Network or wherever you find your podcasts. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.